a Podcast One production. Hey, I'm Matt Dwyer, and welcome to Sleep, where Professor Harriet Hiscock and Associate Professor Emma Shaberis from the Murdoch Children's Research Institute help you identify sleeping problems in your children from infancy through to secondary school and give you easy-to-understand steps to improve their sleep cycles and overall health. Harriet, you've helped so many families rest easier at night because it's kind of like a flow-on effect if your kids aren't getting the sleep. Chances are the parents aren't either. What exactly do you do and how important is sleep not only in general but you know, in each developing stage, infancy, toddler? I'm a paediatrician. I've been at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne since 1993 and um, I direct the Unsettled Babies Clinic there. So we see lots of babies every week with sleep problems and crying problems. And I guess sleep is one of the fundamental parts of um, life for all of us. If we don't sleep, we know as adults we get pretty cranky and then it can affect our mood and then it starts to affect our memory. Um, But it also has that sort of similar effect in babies. If they don't get enough sleep, they can get pretty cranky and cry a lot and um, be really difficult to settle, which in turn makes it really hard for parents to look after them and they can start to have their sleep disrupted, um, which affects their mental health and well-being, and also makes it harder just to be a parent day to day when you're feeling exhausted and you've got no energy left to do the things you might want to do and have fun with your baby. And Emma, you've got a slightly different approach, but just as important, what sort of role do you play when it comes to managing and maintaining healthy sleep cycles? Most of the work that I've done in sleep is for older children and adolescents. So helping families to implement um, strategies to help improve sleep um, in children and I guess try to deal with some of the difficulties that can happen with sleep problems. So we know that if kids are tired, they can have difficulties with learning, they can have difficulties managing their behaviour at home. So, So really providing strategies around those sorts of things. And we want to start out as early as possible when it comes to putting our babies into healthy sleep cycles. Well, how much sleep do they actually need? Yeah, but every baby's different, but typically a newborn baby might sleep for somewhere between 16 and, and um, you know, 18 hours per 24 hours. So they really, when they come home, usually from the hospital, they might just be feeding and sleeping and feeding and sleeping. And it's really not until they're about three weeks of age that they start to wake up a little bit more in between their feeds and sleeps. Um, they start to look around, check out their environment and have periods of time when they're just a bit more awake and interactive. And coincidentally, that's the time that they also start crying Um, and that peaks that crying at around six to eight weeks of age. And then that's no matter where you're born. If you're born in Melbourne, Thailand, London, Africa, all babies follow that sort of similar pattern. Why exactly do they need that amount of sleep? They need that amount of sleep for a number of reasons. They certainly need it for growth. Um, So if you don't get enough sleep, it affects some of the hormones that are produced in your body overnight, including growth hormone, which helps you get longer and and bigger. Um, It's also important for the immune system. Whilst there haven't been studies done in babies, you know, depriving them of sleep, there have been in adults and they've done studies where they've um, stuck the common cold virus up the nose of adults and sleep deprived them or not sleep deprived 
deprive them. And the adults who have sleep deprivation, they tend to get the cold and the cold lasts longer compared to the adults who don't get the sleep deprivation. Wow. (laughs) We can't quite ethically do that with babies. (laughs) (laughs) What happens during the sleep? I mean, they sleep for 18 hours. What actually happens through 18 hours? That's a long time. Yeah, well, this is um, the same sort of sleep cycles occur across the lifespan. Um, So we we all start off awake and then we go into what we call um, REM or rapid eye movement sleep before we move into non-REM or non-rapid eye movement sleep, which is really our deep sleep. And babies tend to have more light sleep than than older kids and adults. Um, So often parents will come and say to me, oh, my baby's so restless. They just don't get a deep sleep. They're always moving around in their cot and moving their head and legs. And that's actually often quite normal because actually they're just having more REM or light sleep than we do as adults. But typically babies will pass through these sleep cycles every 30 or 40 minutes in the first few months of life. Then those sleep cycles start to get longer, about 60 minutes in school-age kids, um, Emma, and then by the time they get to us as adults or adolescents, those sleep cycles are 90 minutes long. Now, if we're struggling to get them in to a healthy sleep cycle, are there permanent effects if we don't get them? Yeah, not permanent. So you'll just see the temporary effects, but it's not like, oh my God, my baby hasn't slept for the last few weeks properly. There's going to be lifelong issues. No, um, I can reassure you that's not the case, but certainly the longer it goes on, it is harder to try and shift patterns. And I think a big myth out there is that we all think that babies just know how to go to sleep, but actually sleep is a learnt skill and we actually have to teach babies how to put themselves to sleep. You know, as a new parent, how do we tell if our child is experiencing sleep difficulties? I might throw to Emma with this. What what did you notice, Emma, with your little one? (laughs) So some personal experience. So my little one's two now. um, And after working in sleep for many, many years um, with children and adolescents, it was my first experience um, managing sleep in an infant. Um, So I guess... I guess in terms of um, the initial experience of having a child, the sleep deprivation that you experience is quite significant. And I, and I think when you're in that sleep deprived state, um, all you want to do is sleep. <laughs> um, and so it can be really hard to determine what's normal and what's not. And and I think um, in my experience, having that initial period of acceptance around some night waking, and there was quite a lot of it. But also, I guess once my child started to get a little bit older is speaking to other mothers that were in my mother's group and other people that had had children to understand how often their child was waking in the night. Yeah, I think Emma brings up a really good point. What's the blur between normal and and a problem? And, And at a very simple level, I'd say, if it's a problem for you as a parent, it's a problem. So go and ask for advice from a trusted health professional about it. But night waking is normal. Babies need to feed overnight and it's certainly up to six months of age. They will often be waking. After six months of age, they can get enough of their nutrition during the day to not have to wake up overnight and feed. But many parents choose to keep feeding after that time point and that's a personal decision. What are the biggest causes of sleep trouble? Yeah, the biggest um, issues we see in the first few months, I, I think what Emma's saying, you have to go with the flow, I think, for the first mm. three months. You can't really, um, this baby's just come into the world. They're learning to um, bond to their main caregiver, which might be the mum or the dad or both or someone else. Um, they're, they're adjusting to this big, bright world. So the first few months, just go with the flow. And that might mean to get your baby to sleep, you have to put them in a carrier or you have to have them in the pram for um, some of the daytime naps. But after 
after three months, we can start to help babies learn to put themselves to sleep. And the, the first step in that is recognising when your baby's tired. So the sorts of signs they might show you is they might be frowning. They might be clenching their arms and their fists and jerking their arms and legs. And then they start to cry. But crying is often a late sign. And by then, if you're trying to put them to bed, then it might be too late. So step one is recognise when your baby's tired. Step two is then, okay, say it's bedtime and have a consistent sort of routine. That might be giving them a cuddle, wrapping them, and then taking them into a dark, quiet room and putting them down into their cot or their bassinet. Drow but still awake because you want them to be able to put themselves to sleep. The trick is that um, a lot of parents get into, particularly if they had a baby that's cried a lot, is they pat their baby off to sleep or they feed them to sleep. Um, So every time that baby comes out of the deep sleep, up into light sleep and wakes up from their sleep cycle, they want to be patted again or rocked again or have the breast for bottle feed again before they go back to sleep. So I guess it's... um, as a parent, recognising those tired signs and then getting your baby calm but letting them do that last little bit of going off to sleep without you patting them or rocking them or feeding them to sleep. I guess on the opposite of that, are there signs that we can then feel confident about that our babies are getting enough sleep? Yeah, look, certainly um, if your baby is waking up pretty happy and um, having periods during the day where they're awake and interactive and happy before going to sleep, that's a pretty good sign. So rather than an absolute amount of sleep they've got to have, it's more about their their temperament and are they happy and interacting and developing normally. I guess the other thing when you were saying is, you know, what causes sleep problems, we do just see some babies who right from the get-go are really hyper alert and really what we call vigilant about this um, their surroundings. And those babies, you know, no one can get them to sleep and settle them in the first few months of life. So I think parents need to take their guilt um, off their shoulders. We have enough parenting guilt (laughs) um, so that they they just go, okay, my baby's like this. I'm going to go with the flow until at least three months of age when I'll try some of these more, um, you know, hands-on settling strategies. And I think I found that really helpful. Um, So I remember being in the hospital after I'd given birth at about four o'clock in the morning and we went back to the the room and and I remember my little one was awake for that whole time for at least three hours and was just lying there with her big eyes open and I was thinking is this child going to go to sleep and we found it really hard initially because she was really alert and and really I think the other thing that we found with her is that she didn't have as many obvious tired signs yep. and one of the things that we found helpful with that is is kind of having a set time um, to put her down yep. again because she was kind of just on the go and interested in everything and so you know putting her down every kind of hour and 15 minutes and then slowly extending that out as she got older was something that we found helpful. Yeah that's great and I think um, that that's structure, you don't have to be like to the minute and rigid about it, but that overall sort of structure actually helps babies learn to Mm. um, anticipate what's coming in their day and that for them is reassuring. Um, And then that helps them start to go to sleep and learn to do that by themselves. If you're doing something different every time it's nap time, that's actually very confusing to the baby. 
And Harriet, I guess one of the things that I heard a lot of early on before the three-month mark was um, I was doing a lot of baby carrying um, and I was getting the message a lot that, you know, you're setting up bad habits um, for your baby. Can you set up bad habits before three months? No, that's a fantastic point, Emma. I don't think you can. And I think, um, you know, some of these babies are just born very alert and they won't close their eyes on the world because they're so interested. And some of the babies with colic, which is just another way of saying that they're crying for more than three hours a day for more than three days in a week. You can't do anything to settle them and sometimes carrying them is the only way that will help them calm down. So certainly before three months, I say do what you need to do to survive. Survival Um, mode. (laughs) Absolutely. And, um, you know, a a bit of a serious point, if you ever feel like you are getting angry towards your baby, put them in the cot and walk away. They're safe there. Never, ever, ever shake a baby because that's what we know can lead to brain damage and that is a permanent consequence. And I I guess just on the baby carrying thing too, I think another piece of advice that you hear a lot is, you know, resting when your child's resting. And I think I think that's really hard when when you are doing a lot of that baby carrying. So I guess um just highlighting that importance of getting additional support and getting people to come over and also do a bit of that yeah. carrying too so Abs- you can actually get some rest. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and um, certainly in our clinic, we talk about this with mums. Who else can help you out? Is it um, friends, family, etc.? And also I think we've got to... Um, as mums take the pressure off making um, sure our house is perfect and everything is done. Being a parent is a 24-7 job and people just say that flippantly, but it really mm. is. And um, I will often say to mums, when your baby is sleeping or resting, try and rest. You won't sleep, but do try and rest. Don't run around the house doing the housework mm. because, um, you know, you need your, your rest and sleep to be able to function and look after your baby the best you can. As the baby gets older, at what age do we start to, I guess, transition into newer sleep cycles and newer methods to keep them asleep? Do, do things yeah. start changing at a certain Look, age? They, they certainly do. From six months, I think it gets a lot easier. You know, often by then you've started solids um, and they're not just having milk feeds and that sets up a bit of a rhythm for the day as well. So I think that's a great time to start with a lot of the, the sleep strategies if that's what you want to do. I think we should also just be aware that 15% of babies are what we call catnappers. So they just sleep for mm. one sleep cycle two or three times a day. So they just have 30 minutes or 40 minutes and that's it. And you can set your clock by it. Um, and I see a lot of very distressed parents <laughs> going, they'll only have one sleep cycle. But it actually doesn't matter usually. These babies tend to sleep really well at night and it, it's just a phase that they go through. And um, just anecdotally, sometimes what I find is once they start crawling, they physically exhaust themselves and then they start to string together two sleep cycles and have a longer nap. Are they still getting the same amount of sleep? Often they don't get quite as much sleep because they just are catnapping and they can sometimes wake up from that catnap really grumpy. Mm. But what I say to mums is and dads is try try and resettle them in their cot for 15 minutes, but don't try after that if it's not working, if you can tell they're not going to settle, pick them up, put them in the sling, put them in the pram, go for a walk, try again next nap. Hopefully they're having, you know, four or five naps a day and these will start to drop off as the baby gets older. So certainly by the time they're getting towards 12 months of age, they're usually having two naps a day, you know, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Sometime around um, 
18 months, two years, they might start dropping down to one nap per day. And you can often tell this because you put your baby in the cot um, and they just won't go to sleep. They're just playing and mucking around and they're actually not tired. And that's often a bit of a sign that they're dropping down to one nap per day. But that transition time can be a really messy couple of months when they're going between two naps on some days and one nap on the others. Could you tell when your little one was transitioning? Yeah, so she transitioned about 18 months and um, we were doing the morning and afternoon nap. Um, And I must say, I was pretty keen for it to become one nap. I was finding (laughs) that a little bit restrictive. Um, But yes, just like you described, it was actually more the, the afternoon nap that that she stopped right. having. And so what that meant is that she had the morning one and it was a really long yeah. awake time. So we needed to kind of slowly push her back to, to go for that middle of the day nap. And how did you do that? Well, I I, th- I think I combined approaches initially. So I think I started um, pushing it back. So it was around 9.30 to start off with. And then we, you know, got her to stay up until about 10 o'clock. And I think I pushed her to around 10, 15. But then once she could get to that point, it yep. was just easy for me to just to change it to 12 and just have a, a couple of days that were a bit tough and I had to keep her really engaged and entertained <laughs> until 12 to keep her awake. Yep. Um, and initially, I guess when we did that, her naps weren't were kind of around the hour mark. Um, yep. But over a couple of weeks, she just began to naturally extend them to have a good two-hour nap. The great. I think one of the real challenges around this is when your baby's in daycare and how you manage yes. naps in that setting. And I guess from a baby's point of view, the more consistent you can be across, you know, home and daycare, the better. So I encourage parents to write down and have a conversation with the the educators at their um, baby's, you know, day programs, if they're in, you know, long day stay or whatever it might be. Just have a conversation about this is how I settle my baby at home and see if they can do the same thing so your baby gets some consistent messages which will help. Yeah, I must say that we were um, onto that uh, with yeah. the plan at childcare and, and I think the staff were really supportive because I think from them understanding what you were doing at home and what was working, it actually made their life a lot easier yep. at childcare. Um, I think the thing that, that happens sometimes is that they might not take a nap um, because it's yes. so exciting and there's so much stimulation going on. Um, and so I guess in our experience, just trying to manage that by going for an early bedtime um, once yeah. we got home from childcare was the only yeah. way we could survive at home because it was quite a hectic kind of 5 to 7pm right. period. Yes, <laughs> the arsenic hours as we sometimes call them. I had the opposite experience. My firstborn um, would sleep well at daycare, but I think when he came home, he wanted to see me and he, he um, my husband was fantastic. He took a day off a week and he would sleep really well for him. But when it was my day to have him, he would not sleep. <laughs> so too fun. I I don't know if that's a compliment or, um, but you know, again, you just sort of got to go with that flow a bit and, and not absolutely, you know, you know, try and encourage them, have your routines, have them trying to go down for naps, but um, also realising that they're negotiating going between different mm. caregivers and, and different settings. So being a bit patient. So you want to try and get the routine happening a little bit more organically. Yes, yeah. But having some routine because they will thrive on that. It doesn't have to be to the minute. Mm. But, um, you know, having a thing where they know, okay, we have time for feed, time for play, then it's time for sleep. And having that sort of sequence throughout the day can help. And what about early waking? 
Yeah. What is early waking? What What's considered early? Again, there's no wonderful definition, but I think anything before 6am is pretty rude to start yes. the day. So <laughs> that's how I view it. And there's not a lot you can do for really little babies, particularly if they've been, you know, in their cot for 12 hours, they might have had enough sleep. Um, one of the things, and we can, we'll talk about this in the toddlers and older children, is um, when they wake up, not rewarding them for that waking. And by that, I mean not giving them time in front of a screen or a television because that can reinforce that behaviour. Certainly for little ones, if they haven't fed overnight, you can offer them a feed and maybe that feed's in the bedroom, still dark, still quiet. And if they've woken at 5 or 5.30am, you might be able to give them a feed and they can go back to sleep again for another hour or an hour and a half if you're lucky. And Harriet, what about dummies? Are they safe? Um, so dummies or pacifiers, as they're called in Northern America, can be absolute lifesavers for parents, particularly if their babies cry a lot and this is a way of soothing them. So again, I tend to say, look, go with the flow in the first few months. Whatever works is fine. The issue after that is that the baby can learn to only fall asleep with a dummy and then the dummy drops out and the parents find they're waking up every three hours and having to go and put the dummy back in. And I have seen glow-in-the-dark dummies and all sorts <laughs> of products to try and help that, um, which doesn't really help. So there's a couple of options um, that we can talk about later in the management about managing dummies, but I really think they can be life-saving in the first few months of life. There has been concerns in the past that they interfere with breastfeeding establishment, so the advice really is to try and hold off from giving your baby a dummy for the first couple of weeks of life at least to let them establish breastfeeding and then offer it after that. And there's good evidence that that doesn't interfere with breastfeeding rates if you do that after a couple of weeks. Harry, can you tell us a little bit about postnatal depression and, and the links between postnatal depression and sleep? Yeah, look, there's very strong links, um, Emma. Certainly about 10 to 15% of Australian mums will experience postnatal depression and that's really defined as persistent feelings of, you know, feeling down, feeling sad, crying, feeling hopeless, um, being so sad you can't sleep properly or eat or function properly. And what I've noticed a lot with postnatal depression is it tends to fluctuate. So some days mums will have really good days and then they'll have bad days and they'll say, look, I can't possibly be depressed because I have some bad days. But if these are symptoms that are going on for weeks or months, certainly you need to get help um, and speak to your nurse or your GP or someone like that. Or um, there's a very good National Post and Antenatal Depression Association, PANDA, which has a great support for mums and dads because dads can get postnatal depression. But what we know from some of the work we've done is that if you have a baby with a sleep problem, that doubles to triples your risk mm. of having postnatal depression. And that's in mums and dads. And so there's a very strong connection between the two. And it's probably not surprising because if your sleep is chronically disrupted and if you've got a baby that's crying and won't settle, it's really hard on your mood. And I think it's also really hard for you to bond with your baby. Another myth we have in our society is you should just fall in love with your baby the day they're born. And that actually doesn't normally happen, particularly if you've got a baby who won't sleep and all they do is cry or they're vomiting all the time. And often not enjoying your baby is a bit of a red flag for postnatal depression. So I think as a mum or a dad, if you're not enjoying your baby in this context, that's when you should absolutely be going and talking to someone about it and getting some help. Thanks so much. There's a lot of good info there for new parents yep. or parents having their second, <laughs> third. Sleep was presented by Harriet Hiscock and Emma Shabaris and produced by me, Matt Dwyer. Audio production done by Darcy Thompson 
and our executive producer is Jen Goggin. For more apps, go to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app and listen for free.